ready for this, and it went blank. Oh, brain fart. Man, it stunk all the way over here. Yeah. <laughs> Stage fright. Sunside Mall. Welcome to Modders Inc. Podcast number 17. This podcast is sponsored by CPU Magazine. CPU Magazine is a monthly magazine aimed at people who breathe, eat, and sleep technology. It's the kind of person who gets his kicks out of upgrading graphics cards and smashing benchmarks and modding their PC. If you're the kind of person that ordinary is just not good enough, then you need to check out ComputerPowerUser.com at www.ComputerPowerUser.com. Today we got Tony. Hello. Got Vic on the line out there. Hey, hey. Dwayne out in the desert. Hey, guys. Joining us from CPU Magazine tonight, we've got Andrew. Hello. Chris hanging out there on the line. Hey, how's it going? Hey, all right. And I'm Craig. Tonight, we've got ourselves a pretty full agenda. We're going to be talking about some different software. We've got some upcoming events to talk about, some modding suggestions, and uh, a couple of articles within uh, CPU Magazine that have kind of piqued our interest. So uh, let's get this party started. What's say? Out there in the modding scene, coming off of uh, ModdersInc.com, we've got some projects that we've heard about. One of our forum members, longtime modder and builder Stealth, a.k.a. Will Urbina, uh, is going to be doing a presentation at the Maker Fair out in California. Uh, this next weekend. You guys know anything about what's going on with that? Uh, yeah, actually, he has been working with Newegg. I don't know if you guys remember, it might have been a year ago, maybe two years ago. He had won a contest that he did a video on Newegg about uh, a commercial kind of thing. And he mm-hmm. won that, and it was just fantastic. And since then, he's actually had some really good uh, communication with him. And they contacted him and asked him if, if he would like to be able to do uh, presentations and stuff out there. So Very that's cool. That's what he's heading off to do. Uh, wasn't quite sure what he was going to do, but I guess what he finally ended up talking about doing was rebuilding or building the mod that he currently has out now, which is the Black Dwarf. I don't know if anybody has seen that. I think it ended up on Engadget. One of four mods that he's done is, that has ended up on Engadget. It's quite different. Yeah, we actually uh, we actually um, posted about that at the the cpumag.com home site homepage. It's pretty cool. It's a, it's a really nice. Uh, it's one of the coolest NAS boxes I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of a of an old uh, floppy disk holder. Yeah, you remember that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Most kids out there probably right now going like, what's what's a floppy disk? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's actually when he you know that's what he's going to be redoing out there because he was he didn't know exactly what to do and I know he's a little apprehensive and he kept. You know, messaging message me about it and stuff. So, I, I think he's going to do fine. He's a uh, he's a pretty cool kid. And Gadget had a link to his uh, uh, build video. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see that. It was it was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, he he does excellent video on his build logs. Yeah, he had the uh, the video for the I can never say it cinematograph. Well, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gesundheit. Yeah. <laughs> Maker Fair is a really cool, uh, a neat technical place for people that just like technical gadgets. Because that's what, that's what the whole make scene is, is people that just invent stuff. And it's and technical and use of technology in life and stuff like that. It's, it's a really unique experience. So if you've got a chance to go out and check one out, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, and don't forget to go to Modders Inc. Because we actually picked it as a featured rig, and he's got his full work log in the, in the forums. So come over to Mars Inc. and check it out. Congratulations, Will. Uh, best of luck to you there, buddy. Since we're also talking about mods and building and stuff like that, um, our last podcast we were talking about uh, after we've chosen our case, what do we do then? I think what we're moving towards now is, okay, we've got our case. We've decided what we're going to do to it. 
how do we do it? Do we just start taking a bolt cutter to it, or uh, how do you tear down uh, a case in order to make it easier to work on? First thing I do is remove all the plastic. You really don't want to start cutting on your case and just leave it all buttoned up. You've got to take everything apart, in my opinion. Okay, I, I like to take mine apart. I like to paint the chassis. Um, and to do that, instead of um, having, if, if you don't take it apart, you're going to have corners that you're not going to be able to get to with a paint can. And if you do get to it with a paint, it, it's probably going to puddle up or something or another. Um, so what I do is uh, I take a drill, and usually I think it's a one-eighth drill bit is what I use, and I drill out all the rivets, mm-hmm. just take every one of them out, take a panel off at a time. And, do you um, go ahead. Do, do you do you put do you put the drill in the in the in the center of the rivet, or are you coming at it from the backside? How difficult is it to take a rivet out? Oh, it's not difficult at all. I go from the backside of the rivet um, in the center. You can see the uh, uh, where the little stud comes through the rivet. Uh huh. Um, and that's that's basically where I aim for. And okay. You just go right up against that. And, and nine times out of ten, it's it's they're aluminum. Uh-huh. Nine times out of ten. Sometimes you get a steel one, but uh-huh. steel is not a problem either if you have a sharp bit. Yeah, um, definitely use a sharp bit. Yeah. Yeah. And you just drill right mm. on through that. Um, make sure that when you do drill through this, that um, you're not drilling into something that's behind the rivet on the inside of the case. I mean, like say you have a, a, a tab or something or another. Or even a hard drive bay or something or another that's, that's sticking out there, and you Sounds punch like you're through that experience. <laughs> no, actually, I've I've probably done quite a few of those. But anyway, try to make sure try to make sure that you're not modding your hard drive cage or something accidentally. Um, you know, and it's basic basic stuff. You take that apart, um, then you go in as far as getting it ready for paint. You prep it. Um, now, people have 15 different dozen ways of prepping things. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people sand until their hearts are just plumb wore out. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people don't sand at all. Eh, that's a no-no. But anyway, yeah. I like to sand blast. You can really get some something that the paint will adhere to really well if you if you sand blast your case. What or type media of media blast. do you use? I use sand. No, I mean, is, do you use a, a, a real fine grit sand or using a coarse grit sand? or? No, I use a medium grit. Okay. Do you, yeah, have, a, you, can, do you have a blasting cabinet or are you just going out in the backyard and pissing off your neighbors? <laughs> no, I've got a, I've, I've got uh, both. I've, <laughs> yeah, I do piss off neighbors and a cabinet? Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> now I have a, uh, you know, basic uh, sandblasting uh, outfit. And then I also recently bought a sandblast cabinet for doing my smaller stuff like etching windows and, and things like that. I've been doing the etching with the actual full-size sandblaster, honestly. And uh, while it does work real well, you have to be very careful because, you know, that's a lot of pressure coming out of there, and um, you'll you leak through your template in a heartbeat. Is that why you were um, asking me about my uh, my Badger eraser? That's it, exactly. Okay. I, I, went out, I went out and bought one of those in a sandblast cabinet. So I can get in there and make some uh, more detailed etchings windows and stuff. Like I say, I sandblast it. Then make sure you use something to get the dust off real well. And oh goodness, what do they call it? A tack cloth. 
thing with sandblasting, a tack cloth is not going to work that well with a sandblasted case because it does leave quite a rough edge, or not a rough edge, but just a rough surface. Mm -hmm. And you run your tack cloth across that, and you're just going to have fuzz all over your case, and your paint is going to look real bad. Would you tend to just wash something like that? Yeah. Okay, so you take it out and you just hose it off and right. hang it up somewhere and let it air dry? Well, you can do that. Don't do it late in the evening. If you if you do it, do it during the middle of the day while uh-huh. it's good and hot. Uh-huh. Um, the closer you have to a, a temperature change, like in the evening time when dew uh-huh. falls or whatever, um, you might get flash, which is what? basically surface rust. I did uh, not know that. It's a real thin coat of that. Um, and that that's... Really, it's not going to hurt it. You can wipe it down with, I think it's vinegar mm-hmm. or, you know, lacquer thinner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and get most of it off. But there again, if it's sandblasted and you're rubbing a, a cloth across it. You're going to be leaving pills. There you go. Okay. So um, basically, I just rinse mine off. Um, then I take my air hose and I blow it down. Mm-hmm. And, just, and that's basically mm-hmm. it. On, on that note, you also want to make sure if you're using a, an air compressor and an air hose to blow something off, that you have a, a water trap in, in the line before you get to the end of the gun. Right, exactly. Same you thing with sandblasting. Use... You want to make sure you got the water trap because if you don't, you're going to stop your gun up and you're going to end your project quickly because you're going to have to turn around and take your gun apart and <laughs> change out nozzles and all that good stuff because it's all clogged up. Unless you're lucky and you can just... Slam it up against the wall or something, and it fall out. <laughs> That's redneck way. But um, you know, after after you get all that done, you know, of course you want to put a, a coat of primer on it. Um, now a lot of people go hog wild when they put these primers on. They they really put a thick coat on, like they're putting on a finished coat or something. And uh, honestly, you don't have to. You don't need to. That's that's not a good thing to do. You want to put a, just a, a nice, basic, thin coat on before you put your finished coat. Well, start to your finished coat. Let's put it that way. Cool. I learned some stuff right there. doesn't hurt to uh, use a sealer in there, too. Yeah, you can use a sealer. The, the thing is, um, with a lot of the paints out there today, especially if you're rattle canning, um, for those who don't know, rattle can is basically just a spray can paint. Okay, not using a brush or anything. It's called a rattle can because of the marble that's inside it, and as you you shake, it rattles around. When you do this, if you're using a rattle can, a lot of the rattle can paints out there now um, have priming properties already in them and sealers. Rust-Oleum is real good about that, and so is the new uh, Krylon Fusion paints. Those fusions are good. What's the fusion paint used for? Okay, well, the fusion paint is basically mostly used for plastics. Uh, a lot of people like to use it for plastics, but it's also good for metal, too. Um, some people think, oh, it's just a plastic paint. you got to get a whole different paint for metal. No, you don't. The fusion paint also adheres better better to the metal. Good to know. So it's it's got primer properties in it. You really, you, you don't even have to prime if you use fusion. You, you think about it. If you, if you put down a, a, a coat of primer and then you use the fusion paint, you're just etching basically into the, the primer. So... Nice. Yeah, the fusion. Uh, I've I've found that, you know, whenever you're dealing with a, a computer that has a multi-material build on the outside of it, like where you have plastic and metal, 
and you're trying to make one single continuous color and you know like maybe you pick out this really great duplicolor blue and you're like oh crap now this isn't going to really it, there's a chance it may not work well or stick properly or adhere very well to the plastic uh, but if you go and look at uh, the fusion paints you stand a better chance of being able to make that whole case one contiguous color exactly. uh, with with a lot less hassle. And it comes in different different um, textures too. I mean, you can get you yeah, they got like uh, hammered uh, right. hammered one silver favorite, and one of my favorite is the hammered metal type paints. Yeah. Um, you can get it in uh, silver, gray, black, copper, bronze, um, which hammered. Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but hammered is, is an industrial finish. Okay, if, if you think about any of the um, big manufacturing companies you've ever been into, and you look at their lathes and such as that, their big machinery out there, most of it's got a kind of a hammered finish to it. Well, that's 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 why they started putting this in rattle cans. They had to touch it up, and instead of bringing somebody in, a contractor to paint it, they just you know put those most popular colors in a rattle can. Ah. You know, You're just a plethora of information tonight. Where did you learn all this? <laughs> um, Redneck you. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's called experience. Is that online, or, or do you have to live in that part? You have to live it. You have to live it. Um, now, I've always been real handy with a rattle can. Let's put it that way. And Painting paint new words on them stop signs, huh? <laughs> <laughs> have to cover your tracks, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you You're run off dead. the road, you can always paint some, you know, dotted lines. And so we see, officer, the dotted line went this way, and that's why I went that way. <laughs> but, yeah. Nah, honestly, it's it, it's just from experience. I mean, I've I've used more rattle cans than I could ever imagine to even try to number. Wow. Oh yeah. Well, I guess I'm I guess I'm a loner here because I still stick with my good old duplicate. Yeah, I like Duplicolor. I like Duplicolor a lot. There's a lot of finishes in Duplicolor that I like. But I've also found, you know, for some of the basic glosses and mattes that, you know, a Rust-Oleum mm-hmm. works, works just, you know, if, I, if I'm just going for a non-unique basic color, you know, and I'm, and I'm not going for super uber car finish or something like that, then Rust-Oleum works like a champ for me. Yeah, I, I use all of them, honestly. I use Duplicolor, yeah. Plastic Coat. I mean, uh, hammered metal. There's hammer right. There's several different companies that make hammered metal. The first, the, the best one and the finest one I know of actually is by Hammer Right, and that's some of the toughest stuff you'll ever see. Um, is that H A M M E R R I T E? Yeah. Is there a hammer wrong? <laughs> sure, there is. Come over and I'll show you. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's 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 a I use a lot of different kind of paints. I mean, so. Uh, all of them have their, their their uses to me. But Craig's right. If you have one that's got a lot of plastic on it, if you can do your color using one of the fusion paints, you have more of a chance of it being a success for adhering and not peeling later on down the line. Now, what I normally do to combat that is I just, when I when I use my color, I simply pick up a can of adhesion promoter for the yeah. plastic, and I use yeah. the same, same can of paint that I use on the metal. Yeah, the adhesion promoter, I've used that. I've, I've always heard uh, that you don't want to mix vendors when it comes to applying paint, but I've used that adhesion promoter with some other vendors' paint, and that's gotten me out of some binds. 
Yeah, it's kind of to... a trial and error basis. I mean, I I tend tr- to try not to mix paints as far as you know brands go, but at times you know it's just a matter of you know shoot a little and and see what happens. Either you're going to get a reaction or you're not. Lots of places out there to pick up good rattle can paint. And since we're talking about rattle can paints, and since we're talking about all this wonderful plethora of knowledge that we have here within this group, uh, I think this makes for an awesome segue. Uh, moving into uh, an upcoming event at Modders Inc. Dwayne, Taz, you guys want to, guys want to uh, do the honors? Oh, we want to go here, Dwayne. I, uh, <laughs> you kind of just threw that in my lap. All uh, the way. Going to be a little mod off contest that that we're going to see what we can do with tools we have on hand. We are going to start out with you know the basic rules of we got a hundred and fifty dollar limit on any products that we purchase for the mod. Um, anything we got on hand. Uh, you know that that are just spares left over from other mods or whatever or products we didn't use on previous mods that we purchased them for. All that stuff's game for the mod, but you can't go out and purchase anything you know of big value like a, an LCD or something like that to put into it. Um, we're going to try to keep this on just a, a low key, you know, kind of a beginner state type mod and see just how far we can push the envelope between the four of us. What else is there, guys? You guys know just as much about this as I do. Uh, I'll talk about the uh, the products that we're going to be using. Uh, we've got uh, Thermaltake jumped in uh, real quick and uh, started sponsoring the Hot Rod Mod Op, which is what we're going to call it, the Hot Rod Mod Op. Thermaltake supplied us with uh, Element S uh, VK6000 series uh, cases, as well as a 650-watt uh, TR2 uh, power supplies. And is that is it a spin queue? Is that what it is? Yeah, spin queue. Yeah, the SpinQ uh, CPU coolers, air cooled. The one that looks like a big razor blade, uh, big big saw blades, big setup, big sets of saw blades and heat pipes whipping through them. Uh, it's the uh, squirrel cage style cooler. Yeah, there you go. Um, there you go. If you want to check it out? We've done a review on it on Modern Inc. Okay, cool. And uh, late coming to the party, but no less uh, no less helpful to this is uh, Crucial. Crucial is also going to be sponsoring memory. Uh, for all the modders, it's going to be uh, crucial memory kits that you'll see blazing away inside these uh, these rigs as we build them. But we're trying to uh, keep the the techniques as as basic. homegrown as possible. I wouldn't say basic. Right. Well, yeah, I guess you could say basic because yeah, because we're catering more towards we we want to show people what you can do inside your garage without farming anything out. We want no people CNCing. To, yeah, yeah. No no laser cutting. Uh, no powder coats. Uh, it's going to be all you know what you can purchase. And what you can do in your garage, and uh, hopefully that's going to drive a little bit of excitement uh, and make people think, "Oh yeah, I can do that." Because I mean, I mean, I know, I know, I can think of several mods I've seen that have come out, you know, in the last year that have been like, "Wow, incredibly phenomenal," but they're almost they're almost intimidating. It's like, well, how can I even? Uh, I, a new modder might be looking at that thinking, you know, there's no way I could build that. Well, you shouldn't be having to think that way. You know, you should be thinking. What can I do with my machine right now as it is with what I've got in my garage? And that's what I think this contest is going to show. Perfectly said, especially right now in the, the way the economy is and stuff, and people yeah. really don't have a lot to spend, and you're tired of looking at that, that darn case that's sitting next to you. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff you can do over a weekend and with just a few bucks. Or you can spread it out, you know, maybe a long-time project that you want to work on. I've only been working on one for like three years now. Three years? I, I thought it was more like five. Yeah. <laughs> three. We'll, we'll stick with three. What uh, What did we decide on on the uh, uh, on the date range? Uh, when is this contest going to end? Yeah, we're going to start it on the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. And finish it on September first. So roughly three months. Is that what it is? Is that what it comes out to? A little over three months. Yeah. Okay. Good. 
uh, build blogs are going to be up on Modders Inc. And we're even going to throw a little a little twitch into it, and we're going to keep ourselves from looking at each other's mods while we're doing it. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to be able to cheat and look at Craig and say, "Oh, I like that idea and use it on mine." We're going to keep it. <laughs> now, you know, we got to go on the honesty value here because we mm-hmm. got to trust each other, mm-hmm. which I don't think that'll be a problem. I'll tell you what, man. September 1st is going to be like Christmas morning. Get out of the way. I don't know if we ever got together uh, on this after the initial email, Dwayne, but uh, we've got some uh, we got some ideas um, perking for some coverage and CPU for this event too. So, oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah, we cool. love the we love the work you guys do, and uh, and we're looking forward to it. So, awesome. Well, well, everybody, I, everybody just got a scoop on that. I don't think any of us are up like Mister uh, Freak is, but we've all had our privileges of being in the mag. I think we've all had a cover shot, haven't we, guys? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. So, I think yeah. this this will be a it'll be a fun event for everybody, and yeah. you'll you'll have to keep coming back and check because we're trying to throw in some. Uh, we're still working on a little bit of details of throwing in to get everybody involved. So you might have to read through the logs to find out certain information, and there's going to be stuff being given away. It might be a uh, t-shirt being thrown away if you get the correct answers and collect so many points. So Well, not thrown away, given out. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. I'm drinking coffee, too. I should be all right. I was going to say, you on the wine already? <laughs> well, I've already got a fallback on mine. See, if, it, if we get close to the end of it mm-hmm. and things aren't going well, I'm just going to have to post that, you know, I was in a drag race with mine and, and I had a wreck and it was just... <laughs> <laughs> this is my NASCAR mod. And it's all beat up to crap. <laughs> a little tire burned down the side of it. There you go. Rubbin's racing. Sorry. So if we're going to be able to use stuff that we have on hand, so I guess that kind of means that Craig's going to be able to use those uh, NZXT uh, cables that he got, huh? Uh, thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know if you guys had a chance to read all that. Uh, I've seen there's been a, there's been a there's been a number of people that have picked up on it, but the uh, NZXT cables, uh, the premium cables that I reviewed on ModersInc.com, neat little product, neat product. Um, it's uh they're all uh, unisleeved or microsleeved, depending on what you want to call it. Uh, they're extensions that you just plug into the end of your existing power supply. So if you have a power supply that uh, is maybe sleeved in a way that you don't like, or you like the the unisleeving or the mod uh, the, the the microsleeving look, but don't want to do your entire power supply, well, if you've got space to hide the rest of your cables, you can just attach these little extensions onto the end of your cables, and you've got serial ATA that's microsleeved. You've got you know three and four pin fan header extensions that are microsleeved. You've got four pin Molexes that are microsleeved. You've got an entire twenty four pin ATX main power, you know eight pin motherboard, you know six and eight pin uh, power leads for the uh, video cards. Very smooth and and very well put together. I was I was impressed. Uh, my my only gripe was the length of the uh, was the length of the cables on the video extensions. Because when you looped them back, you couldn't get the Moloxes back below the motherboard tray level. Yeah. So you'd end up with something you know right there at the very edge. And that just drives me batty. But NZXT, I already talked to one of their engineers, and they said they are aware of the problem. They're working on a new set of cables that are video extensions that are longer so that that problem doesn't exist anymore. But On the video extensions, are they strictly 6-pin or are they 6- uh, and 8-pin? 
they they have uh, they have one uh, bag that you can buy that is strictly six pin, and then they have another bag that you can buy that is six plus two. Okay, cool. Wow. Now being micro sleeved and and pretty custom like this, they have to be costing a ton of money. You would think that they would, and they give your machine the look that you spent a whole lot more money on them. But these things, uh, these these things are are really really inexpensive. I mean, I'm talking like you know, if I remember correctly, like two to three bucks. I don't, you, oh, let me, let me. you show four ninety nine four ninety nine to nine ninety nine. Oh, excuse me, my bad, my bad. I remember they weren't that much. Uh, Even they, at that for nine ninety nine, a twenty four pin extension for nine ninety nine. I, I tell mm-hmm. you what, I won't sleeve one for that. That's just uh, that's a lot of work. Well, you did no something kidding. like that. Tony, how much did it cost you to do that for one of your power supplies, just to buy the materials? Um, I spent uh, close to close to 150 bucks just on sleeving and heat shrink, maybe wow. a little more than that. If you were to pick up one of each of these cables, you'd probably spend, I would say, maybe 50 or 60 bucks for all the cables that you would need yeah, for, it, for a common I mean, computer. Wow. Well, with nice. with the right selection of power supply, you say you you've got yourself a power supply that that sleeved all the way to the housing, but you get out toward the 24-pin connector, and you got two inches of yellow and black wire showing through. And that's something you didn't want. You could easily pick up this kit, one of these kits uh-huh. and, and do your 24-pin, your 8-pin for the power, and then your video card leads. Uh-huh. And you could pretty much simulate that you sleep the whole thing. It's a product that was very well-timed. I'll, I'll say that much for it. Uh, because I've, I've noticed a couple other uh, uh, modder websites you know, where, you, where you purchase modding supplies and stuff like that, where they've offered this service. And their cables cost substantially more, more or substantially more than uh, what these NZXT cables cost. Trying to sleeve all them cables individually, that is a tough task. Well, what else has been going on on Modders, Inc.? Uh, other things that have possibly been reviewed? Um, Dwayne, Tony, and Andrew, looks like they've uh, all had experience with a, uh, uh, looks like some sort of a development case or testing workbench or something like that. Started off using it as, actually, it's... From what I understand, when they first designed it, it was more for like uh, going to a LAN and stuff. Really? Yeah. That would scare the crud out of me leaving everything exposed like that. Well, well they've, they've got a LAN. They've got a LAN cover that you can put over top of it to cover your oh. motherboard. Oh. Yep. So in case those of you who don't know, it's um, it's caseappeal.net, and you can go look at what they have, or you can go over to Modders Inc. And uh, we just recently did a review on that, and I did quite, quite an extensive review on it. Lots of pictures some videos on there um, and really went through quite a bit of it uh, totally custom these guys make it in their garage and stuff I, I, are you me, serious I am totally serious they sent me pictures and showing the guys were kind of like you know joking around and stuff these guys make it and they'll pretty much customize what you want it starts off with it's it's actually I think it was one inch steel tubing it's square tubing and then you the, the plates on the side of it and it, you have to actually kind of see the pictures. Everybody needs to go and, and come to Modern Zinc and look at the pictures and you understand what we're talking about. It's a, an exposed case, so it's it's open, and the motherboard actually sits more kind of in a horizontal position that you can tilt up and down, and you can have direct contact right with all your components on your motherboard and stuff. And it's really quite cool. striking looking when you first see it. It's like, hey, that's really, that's really kind of cool. But it has graphics that you can customize graphics on the side, side panels. The side panels that I got were made out of metal. I think right now they've got them that you can get them out of plexiglass or basically whatever material you want. They will pretty much custom do that. They'll charge you a little bit for it, but I can tell you, uh, for a base price of about 170 bucks for like a pre-made mm-hmm. one, uh, mm-hmm. you will not be able to touch a custom case like this for that price anywhere. 
I mean, that's not much more than a, a nice standard case, and it seems to me right. like you're getting a lot more out of this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the fundamental value of it for us was it, it leaves everything out in the open, easy to, to work with. Uh-huh. And as soon as, as soon as I seen Dwayne, you know, said he's got one of them come in, it's like, hey, that's kind of cool, you know. Uh, see what you know what, what it'll cost us to get a second one. And we you know, immediately got another one coming for me. And it, it just it's a blast to work with. Everything's right there in the open. You can do just about anything you want without having to tear anything apart. Yeah, and it that's are, cool. Yeah, they have graphics already set on on the site, so you can choose one of those graphics. But you can also say, uh-huh. hey, let me choose one of those background graphics. And but I want this on top of it or whatnot. They will do that, and of course there, there is a small charge for that. Actually, I think it's uh, about sixty bucks, maybe sixty-five bucks. Mm-hmm. That's still cheaper than any paint job you could ever get mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. And you can, or you can make up your own custom graphics, and they will do that. Now these graphics that are on these cases is this uh, is this like thermal imaging and 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 some sort of adhesion, or is it printed directly on the material, or how is it? Do you know? Um, you know, like the, um, the the car wraps or the truck wraps. You see the big trucks running around with the printed uh-huh. signs on the side of them. It's kind of that uh-huh. material kind of stuff. It's a it's a vinyl. It's printed onto that. Does it seem pretty durable? Oh yeah, yeah, very durable, yeah. very durable. I want one. <laughs> well, t- tell you what, for 170 bucks, it's it's well worth the price. I think. Vic, you can you can send them some of those stop signs that you shot bullet holes in, and they'll make sure. <laughs> Because I think uh, Andrew, don't you don't you use one for a CPU for testing? Actually, we just uh, reviewed the uh, AV8 in the February issue. Um, rather, Chris Glaser Brambilla just reviewed it in the February issue. But I'm currently using it to test motherboards for an upcoming article. And what do you think about that? I I, I love it. I mean, for testing motherboards, it's about as an ideal setup as you could hope for because I mean I've done motherboard roundups where you're reaching inside a case you know every series of tests to unscrew things and pull things out and I don't like bleeding all over my test bench so <laughs> I haven't I haven't bled once with the AV8. Wow sounds like Excellent. you and tech have something to comment about bleeding huh? hey no, <laughs> there you go. really I, I highly recommend it anybody just take a look at it um, I mean it's got to be good. I, it seems like all the top manufacturers I know, NVIDIA is getting it. I think what maybe uh, Asus is, is using them for display models. Uh, who else? Was there somebody like... Someone? Crucial used one. Crucial had one, yeah. They bring it to the LAN parties now. Yeah, so it's really something. And, and you know what? They've I've seen them, and I, I don't think they have it on their site yet. I've even seen the mini version of this. They made one like for the mini ITX boards. He sent, me, send me one. He sent me. He sent me a picture of those, and I was looking at it, going, "What the heck's wrong with that thing?" <laughs> and then I realized what it was because he showed. Then there was a second picture that showed it next to the to the regular size one. It's like, oh, that's I'm, really cool. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm looking at the picture and I'm shrinking it down for a mini ITX. And I'm going, "How do you get a CD-ROM that size?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smart. Now I know. Uh, when I uh, first set mine up, I set it up with a micro ATX board, and I had to make a uh, a new PCI mount break bracket to clear my 7.1 audio on the pipe, on the uh, micro ATX. But that wasn't you know wasn't no big deal for me. You know it, it worked fine on two of the boards I had full ATX boards I had sitting there, and then I threw that micro ATX on it, and just you know it fell right just right on the edge of the sound outputs. Yeah, overall I, I think it's a great idea. I, I think it 
will work best for what we do. Chris or Andrew, did you guys see that at PDX? Where did you guys see that at originally? Uh, the first yeah. time I saw it was when it came in house. Oh. Yeah, they sent us one with a really cool CPU logo on it, and uh, it's gorgeous. I mean, I love it. And I think any time, um, you know, anybody who's spent a lot of time inside a PC can appreciate that. My only my only concern is that I've got small kids at home, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the best arrangement for me personally. But uh, yeah. I love it. it's a, it's a great it's a great setup. And uh, I mean, like what Andrew's talking about with. Uh, any kind of a situation where you're swapping out motherboards, I mean, you guys know what that's like. I mean, it's it can be really time intensive with the wrong case. Um, right. Like this just really makes it easy. I do have to tuck my tie into my shirt while working <laughs> on this case. <laughs> yeah. For those of you guys who don't know, we have to wear suits and ties at work, even when I'm test mar- testing motherboards. And- yeah. Wow. Well, even when, when I met you guys up at Vegas after work, you guys were still in the suits and tie stuff. <laughs> right. Well, CES is one of those things that kind of goes all day, you know. I mean, oh yeah. You never. It, it's like you're never really off duty there for that. But. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, since we're talking about testing and and, and test benches and stuff like that, uh, I think we uh, uh, recently put up a, a, a brand new motherboard. Uh, on the test bench, and uh, is an Asus Sabertooth 55i motherboard. Something new, uh, some tough new motherboard. Tony, you got something to say about that? Yeah, this is a uh, a great little board. Um, a lot of a lot of people off the bat was kind of skeptical about Asus coming out with another you know branded series. This is under the Ultimate Force series, and a lot of them thought that it was going to be like a, a dumbed down version of the Maximas or or whatever, and I think Asus did a pretty good job. They got a, a really good feature pack with it. Um, probably one of the key features that they focus on is the the green side of the power. Um, you've got the 12 plus 2 phase power, and then they throw in the... So is this going to be a series? I mean, are they going to extend this to other chipsets and everything, too? Or um, Yes, I, I actually, as I was wrapping this up, um, they're going to be doing a, uh, I believe it is an X58 next. What I found so far, I mean, with this one, it's been rock solid. For the overclockers, it's got all the options that that you could want. For me, I, I tested it with a uh, i7 860, and I used a stock Intel cooler, so I didn't push it too hard. But I easily hit 4.1 gigahertz with it. Wow, uh, nice. You know, from a, a stock, I think the 860 is 2.8 gigahertz stock. A lot of the uh, people were right off the bat were commenting about the manual. When when you go through the manual, the manual gives you a little stipulation on the uh, DDR3-1600 memory, um, there's a spot in there that says you can only run one stick per channel, and that's, if, if they read, you know, like two more pages past that, they would see where the ASUS had, had stated, we we made this board to be able to accept all four slots, 1600, no problem, and I tested it with both 4 gig and 8 gig and, and had no problems either way. The, the Probably the one of the standout features is just the color options they used on it. They went with a... Uh, of course, the Tough series and kind of dealt with the, uh, the ceramic coating heat sinks, and they've got a uh, kind of a camo thing going with it, which I think looks good for for a change. It's kind of like a military grade look to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're tying in with the military as far as on the Tough series, you know, running through military testing styles for all their components, the VRMs, capacitors, and the whole nine yards. And they're playing off the whole mil spec certification and stuff like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. And, uh, 
Like I said, you know, it seems to be rock solid in that in that meaning. That's very cool. Sounds like the board I need in my Call of Duty case. <laughs> I, I tell you what, the colors would fit right in with it. If you mean you're getting it, no. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> yeah, in case those you haven't learned, that's how he how he asks for things. <laughs> the uh, as far as the power side of it went, the extreme phase performance mode. The Asus T-Probe softwares that come with us, the Extreme Phase allows you to, when set to auto, it's going to allow the system to, to drop down to a four-phase bank for power. So you're saving power and you're keeping temperatures down to minimal. Um, when needed, you load the system up. It needs more power. It's going to pull in the maximum phase bank and give you full power. Um, for the the... You know, overclockers that want to push things, they can easily go into the BIOS and enable the extreme phase, and boom, you got full load nonstop all the time. Um, T-Probe's not actually tied into it, but it does work with it. And T but with T-Probe on, it will actually kind of balance the load out across the phase banks to where it keeps everything as even as possible so your temps stay as low as possible across the board. And, I mean, it's just a, a phenomenal board. Awesome. Uh, so it pretty much does everything except the dishes and your clothes? Well, you know, it, it, one thing I would have liked to see on this would be USB 3, USB 3 and SATA 6. But, you know, this is kind of right on the, the edge of that, so I can kind of see why it didn't have it. But it would have been nice to have it. Right. What chipset is this based on? The P55. P55. Yeah, but now I've heard that Asus does have a... Um, 3.0 card add-on card that you can put in there for like 30 bucks. You actually can put it, I guess, into any PC, from what I understand. Yeah. That they sell. Yeah, that's kind of like your your add-on cards for some of the laptops they got coming out now, to where you can do 3.0 on, yeah. on the uh, what, what the 34 slot or the 54. Yeah, I think it'll do either one. Because I thought I thought about doing that myself. But what's yeah, this you guys are talking about? Oh, USB 3.0 support for older rigs. Oh, okay. You, you can buy little add-in cards. For the for the PCI or PCIe, I think. Oh, okay. Slots. And then they've got uh, they've also got little um, I forget what Maxi 34 or something cards for your laptops. The uh, those going like PCI slots or something. Yeah, you know, for the for the PC based one, yeah. But for the laptop version, you just plug it in on your your Maxi. I think it's a Maxi 34 slot, which is should be around your USB or your flash drive slots, and uh, you can actually pull in USB 3.0 that way too. I mean, I, I paired this system up against a uh, Core i7-920, and I ran them both at stock levels, and then I ran them both at 3.8 gigahertz. And to be honest, it was it's kind of surprising how well the uh, the P55 did against the X58. I thought the X58 would have still came out ahead, mm-hmm. but the, the P55 seemed to, for the most part, keep the slight lead. Wow. But overall, so- I, I think it's a great board um, going for roughly you know, 184, 185 right in there. Oh wow, that's a great price. Yeah, I think that's right in the right in the ballpark. Yeah, no, I've I've, I've awesome. always liked uh, ASUS boards. I've had quite a few of them. I don't know. I guess I'm maybe I'm partial to them. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong, wrong with them. I don't think. Even well, the last two that I've looked at, one of the new features they're kicking with them is the the memory OK switch that they run on them. The with the memory OK setup, if you do a do a configuration while you're overclocking and something doesn't take and you don't boot, your memory LED, which is part of the uh, QLED setup, is going to come on and stay on. If it doesn't boot, all you're going to do is reach up and hit that memory OK switch, 
-hmm. It'll run through and reset that memory to what it thinks it needs to be at. And it'll yep. boot. That whole visual post setup is a godsend when it comes to initial configuration and setup of a machine, especially whenever you start trying to tweak things and all of a sudden it's not booting. Well, why is it not booting? Okay, well, it stopped on my video card. Oh, okay, it stopped on my memory. I mean, I'm like, oh, that's just, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's where you come in with, where they came in with the QLED setup, where you've got an LED for your memory, you've got an LED for your CPU, you've got an LED for your VGA, and you've also got one for a boot device. If any one of those fails during the boot process, that light's going to come on, and you're going to know exactly where your problem is. And, you know, with a matter of changing that component or, you know, a little modification, you're, you're good to go. I mean, it's, I don't know, it, it pretty much, it's got to be one of the best do-it-yourself-based boards, I think. Nice. So you were telling me something earlier, Tony, that um, we might have somebody else on a podcast? Oh, yeah. When I, when I was talking to our, our representative on the, uh, the review today, let him know I keep it live and made a few modifications to it, I told him that we might be interested in getting him in to uh, do a few podcasts with us. And so hopefully here in the uh, near future, we'll have a Asus rep to chat with us. Awesome. That'll be a good little technical set, too. All right, well, uh, let's let's move on to some other components that people seem to think are pretty hot right now in regards to technical news and stuff like that. Uh, SSDs, who's using them? And uh, what kind of performance gains are you seeing from them? Or do you think they're worth the extra additional uh, cost? Uh, well, uh, go, go ahead, ahead Andrew. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I actually just installed an SSD on my home system. And this last uh, motherboard roundup, I am basically kind of went out of my way to get some SSDs in just to use strictly for that testing. Um, yeah, so my Windows install went crazy fast. Um, <laughs> and boot up is insanely fast. I'm used to just kind of sitting there waiting for as I'm setting a system up. And, you know, when you're doing a motherboard roundup, you're setting a system up repeatedly over and over. I'm used to just mm -hmm. kind of having a little bit of downtime in between systems, but the thing's up instantly <laughs> and I'm, it, I'm talking about it was the kind of performance jump that i remember when i was moving from a single core processor to a dual core processor oh absolutely and it was that kind of performance improvement yeah yeah the last the last mod i did i tossed in a uh, ssd form and when i did the install on it it was like i i don't remember exactly how long it took me but it, it had to be 10 11 12 minutes maybe at the most oh yeah and just the, the boot speed and everything was just phenomenal. So you guys are all seeing uh, exceptional performance increases across the board when it comes to using an SSD. Do you think it justifies the speed, uh, the additional expense? Um, I think the 32 gigabyte drives are really reasonably priced. Um, when you start getting into drive capacities that are a little bit more reasonable for using... Uh, for building a whole system on and installing everything on, then it, I don't know. I, I don't think we're quite there with price yet. Oh, um, I agree. So you're almost better off putting a couple of the 32 gigs in a RAID, but then you get that nice little speed bump there. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I should have jumped on it, and I don't know why I didn't, but I thought I saw a couple of weeks ago, I think it was on Newegg, OCZ had like some... Oh, the Vertex Zelly... Yeah, but it was like no. 32 meg or meg <laughs> gigabyte <laughs> drives. <laughs> what you installing? DOS 6.2. Yeah. 
Oh, they're they're up that high already. I can I can run me I can run me some some doom. <laughs> I don't know if it was leftover stock or if it was if it was what stock it was, but I think it was 32 gig SSDs, and they were literally like 50 bucks a piece. Oh well, yeah, wow. but I mean, you've, you've got quite a few of these companies are, are kicking out new revisions of the yeah. drives recently, and I got a feeling you're going to start seeing all these older revisions start going pretty cheap. Yeah, we'll see. The thing about it is, they've got all the, there's there's a there's a plethora of different controllers out there, and just because it's SSD doesn't mean you're going to have the same performance across the board. You know, there's there's exactly. so many different types of memory. There's so many different types of controllers. And then to the nth degree of combinations of those memories and controllers. So you have to really kind of watch what it is you're buying. Otherwise, you might end up, you know, being a little bit disappointed or, God forbid, overpaying for something that doesn't perform the way that you thought it would. You also got to be careful about the firmware you install. Yeah, because just because a company comes out and says, "Hey, here's the latest firmware," don't necessarily run out and install that. Just give yeah. it a give it a week or so. Give let, it two let weeks. It, let it. Let a NAND <laughs> figure it out. Let other people run <laughs> in there and play Custer, take all the arrows. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I was listening. Yeah, I know to another podcast. Terrible to say, but they were talking. <gasps> I know <gasps> that they were saying Relax. that OCZ has come out with a new firmware upgrade. Um, that. I guess they have like 28 gig that they that they set aside or something that you recuperate back. So they're only using like eight gig or something for a cache. So, now, so if you're if you're out there buying like 120 gig, 128 gigabyte, because well, you, you all know you, you go out there and you buy 128 gigabyte hard drive, you never get the 128. Right. Yeah. Yep. But this is supposed to apparently give you some of that back. Hmm. So uh, interesting. Yeah, I heard it was fairly new. Now, I thought I'd seen somewhere where there were, there were people having issues that kind of adopted to this early of, you know, longevity of the drives and, and carrying that speed throughout that longevity. Yeah. there's I've, heard, I've read reports about degradation as well as, I mean, because it is a, uh, it's an electrical circuit and it is, it, it's got, it's got a lifetime. It's got a certain number of life lifetime and if it's if it's in a high io environment the lifetime of these drives can be severely impacted true but okay like the the patriot that i reviewed that's got a 10 year warranty on it mm -hmm. i don't i don't think i've ever even kept a hard drive that long so oh no i know better than that no i had you, you got stuff in your closet that's well stuff uh, that's <laughs> come on i know better than that well i mean you've used one more than 10 years <laughs> What's that? Dwayne's coming out of the closet? What? what? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Gotta keep that locked. Oh, boy. No, Sorry, I, I went there. And I've heard reports that they're all supposed to be going, I guess, up to like 300 and something, maybe, gigabytes by the end of the year, maybe. Wow. Well, if mm -hmm. they got 128 and 256 out right now, yeah. then I think 300 would be within reach. It's just, it's. Well, I hope they, they have do. to get their. They have to get their memory matrix and their grids, you know. You know, it's kind of like SCSI drives. Yeah. The way, the way SCSI drives would go up ranks uh, by the number of flatters that they had. I don't even want to ask the cost of that. Well, I don't either, but what what's good about that is when they come out with that, that means the other prices are going to drop. Yeah, yeah. So I'm all for that. The big thing, though, with the, with the degradation, I think, is that um, you want to watch for uh, drives that include trim support. I think that actually helps a lot. 
because I mean, essentially what you're dealing with is that the, the, the cells in the flash memory can only be overwritten you know, a certain number of times, and while it's a, it's a big number of times, um, the way the original SSDs, when they first came out, the way they worked, um, in order to overwrite a really small block of data, you had to delete a much larger block. And so basically it just it came down to extra deletion. And over time it, it used up those, you know, that number of overwriting that you have for each cell, it used them up faster. And, uh, and that's where eventually um, some people like Anand and other people were seeing uh, the performance slipping over time. Right. This trim instruction set apparently uh, changes the way that it that it writes and erases, and so it it keeps that from happening and and uh, extends the life of the drive. I'll tell you what. One thing, uh, Chris, you just you just reminded me of with this uh, is, you know, whereas my old standby of drive recovery works on standard magnet you know magnetic mechanical hard drives, mm-hmm. it ain't going to work on SSD. Yeah. Because once it's deleted, it's not just a flag where the file says, okay, I can be overwritten this block. It's gone. Yep. Those bits del- have been turned off. So You delete on an SSD, it is effing gone, folks. Just, you know, don't don't pull out the drive recovery. Don't wipe the tears. It's all over but the crying. <laughs> <laughs> my biggest problem with SSDs right now, <laughs> my only problem really with SSDs right now, is the form factor. Um so when I'm build when I was setting up this AV8 uh, for my motherboard roundup, uh-huh. I-, I could not fasten these drives into the standard three and a half inch drive cage. Oh, you need to contact them. Oh, they mm-hmm. have different drive cages. Yeah, they make a bracket to to do so. Oh, see that that was my problem. I've I've got two SSDs in there now, and they're just hanging by one screw. <laughs> People yeah. were like, "Oh, use Velcro." welcome to my ghetto just just (laughs) get a hold of them and they do have brackets that they made up and stuff Uh, the mod I'm working on right now I stumbled into a company called Undesigns uh, and they make a a two and a half inch laptop bracket to where you can actually take SSDs and mount them either horizontally or vertically in your case uh, using this bracket and you can either use it to hold one, one drive or if you purchase, <laughs> David's going to kill me for saying this because he actually stopped producing them. But the the version one actually had a set of uh, uh, bracket bars that go across the bottom that allowed you to adapt the bracket to where it would hold three two and a half inch drives. Oh, so you could actually make yourself a nice little raid array and find a great way of of hanging them in your case uh, using an undesigned bracket. Uh, but that's one of the problems I ran into with my current build. It's funny you're you're talking about you know your gripe with SSDs and their size. I noticed that too, and I'm like, how in the world am I going to put this thing in my case? Well, I'm cutting everything out of it. What am I going to put this thing on? And then I stumbled into these brackets, and I was like, oh, this is sweet. Well, the uh, the drives that you got, Andrew, they didn't come with uh, carriers. No, they didn't. Uh, one of really? them was a Patriot drive. One was. Um, a Kingston drive, and then at home I have a Crucial drive. None of them came with any sort of bracket really? carrier or anything. Yeah. Because when I did the uh, the Patriot review, when I did the uh, the Torx, it had a carrier that would make it fit into a regular drive size. It came mm. with it. Hmm. Well, I out of the uh, the Corsair that I used on the Obsidian mod, it also came with nothing. Really? 
Yeah. Mm. Huh. This one so was, sounds like it's kind of a hit. Sounds like kind of a hit and miss, depending on you know where you buy it from and whether it's got a retail kit or whether. I it think makes it's. Sense. I think it's something that the uh, SSD makers need to just start including. You know. Yeah. Well, maybe, they're, maybe they're just holding out on you. <laughs> waiting for me to complain. There it is. You, you're See? getting the OEM product. You're not getting retail. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like uh, never thought uh, about. It. It's, it's. I think it's. I think it's a situation of. Uh, you could kind of look at it as like critical mass. You know, it was. Uh, the same problem happened whenever we had DVD media that was starting to come out on software. You know, for the people that for the games that had all those CDs, and mm-hmm. the manufacturers didn't want to change their press over to DVD pressing, even though it would save them in media cost, because they didn't think that DVD players had reached a critical enough mass. So they were still pressing in CDs, even though it was taking them seven, eight, nine, ten CDs for some of these games to install. Uh, with with SSDs, I think what they're looking, what they should probably do is like what you're talking about, Andrew. Initially, send them out with some sort of an adapter bracket that'll allow you to put it into a three and a half inch bay. Yeah, and then as it wouldn't take as, much. Exactly, yeah. and then and then as case manufacturers come along over the next generation or two. They are going to have places for these SSDs because they are so popular. Um, there's already several cases out there right now that already have these yeah, two and yeah. a half inch bay spots specifically for SSDs or for smaller form factor hard drives. So I think it's just a matter of time before the market catches up. But I think you're right. I think the manufacturers need to step up and provide some sort of an adapter for them. I don't think it would be too difficult for them to put in a three and a half inch bracket adapter. I mean, you could actually ship the hard drive inside a three and a half inch bracket adapter, so you didn't even have to really adjust your packaging. Right, and absolutely. If, and then if the person on the other end said, "Oh, I don't need this bracket," they could just unscrew it and put the drive where they wanted it. But at least they've got the bracket adapter there with it already around the drive. Yeah, mine came with right. the bracket and it was separate. But I mean, this is the only one I've ever reviewed. I didn't realize that the rest of them were not coming that way. No, I, I've actually not seen too many that did. To be honest, I guess they were just figuring maybe people were throwing them into the old floppy drive spots or something. Or, well, okay, uh, SSDs sounds like they're worth their cost. Uh, sounds like the performance benefits are there. Uh, you just have to be sure that you can uh, properly secure them once you get them. <laughs> you like the dog <laughs> got the car. Woohoo! I got to drive. Where am I going to put it? Crap. <laughs> well, and I think it's like anything else. You know, I think over time uh, you're going to see that that. That cost delta between those and hard drives will narrow, and you know capacities will continue to go up. So, yeah, you know what I've no- you know what I've noticed on that on that same front is the cost of uh, Western Digital Raptors has come down a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I like competition. <laughs> Competition's good. Competition is good. I think uh, next month's CPU will actually have a review of the latest Raptors, Ooh. the high capacity. Right, I think Marty's doing those, Chris. Yeah, he's. Yep, he sure is. Yeah, good stuff. Awesome, awesome. Stepping along, uh, we've 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 covered a lot of territory uh, over the last almost, geez, almost hour or so that we've been talking. Uh, let's let's move on to uh, CPU Magazine in regards to what you guys are doing. Is there anything that you guys would uh, that you would like to talk about in regards to uh, items that you are reviewing or? potentially reviewing that are coming up in the upcoming magazine well, how much of that can you allude to i should say i didn't mean to put you <laughs> on the spot like that i don't want to i don't want to blow your issue badly we, we can tell you but then we have to kill you no <laughs> nuts <laughs> oh, we've got we've right. got stuff on the uh, front page of cpumagazine.com um it's actually 
slated to appear in the June issue, um, but it's online now. So if you go to the CPU Mag, I'm sorry, ComputerPowerUser.com, wow. you'll find. <laughs> you messed that up, and your boss is right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's no, no, he's, he's actually right. CPUMag.com works too. That'll so. work Does too. It? Yep. yep. Uh, I didn't know that. Yep. I, wow. True story. <laughs> True story. I'm telling you the truth. Trying it out right now. <laughs> right under next month's articles online now, you'll find a link to my review of the EVGA GeForce GTX 470 Superclocked Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the things I just finished reviewing. And you, I want thought, to give, you want to give us a little synopsis of that? I mean, don't want to give it, don't want to, don't want to take any of the readership away from, uh, from wanting to go and read the, the article, but want to give us a little teaser of what you found out? Yeah, uh, actually, I thought it was a pretty great little card. Um, kind of gave me a little bit more faith than Fermi. And uh, oh. <laughs> um, it's, um, you know, it's got a tiny little overclock on it. But one of the cool things that EVGA does for you is they give you their um, OC scanner benchmarking utility. Mm-hmm. And they've also got um, their precision overclocking software. So you use these two little apps in conjunction and you can uh, overclock it a little bit more. And I actually got some pretty decent increases. And I wasn't even trying to push it. Um, I just kind of set it at its first little setting and let it run. And I got some. I got between 5 and 8% gains in uh, all my uh, game benchmarks. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, it wasn't too bad. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Plus, EVGA has their... Uh, 90-day step-up program, which this card is eligible for. And that's basically, it's like the coolest deal I've ever heard of. It's like you buy the 470, and if at any point within the next three months you decide, oh, wait, I want to buy the GTX 480, this just isn't doing it for me, you just call up EVGA, trade it in, and pay the difference between the two cards. What? Sweet. Yeah. Really? It's sweet. Trade up. Where you been, bud? (laughs) Under a rock, apparently. Yeah, yeah they, they've been doing that for, I don't know, a good, good while now. Yeah, trade, trade-up's been going on for a couple of years. Yeah, they actually, and EVGA actually has a really good uh, community around their website. I mean, they actually have, you know, places where people can go to sell their own cards if they want to. You know, EVGA, you know, NVIDIA card that, oh. you know, 9800 or a 260 or something. You know, people have, they have for sale forms out there. You know, they also have, you know, refurbished items out there. But the trade-up program rocks. Wow. Didn't know it existed. I kind of got yep. stuck in doing Sapphire reviews, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I gotta poke my head out of the hole every once in a while, huh? I would say so. Yeah, wake up, buddy. Dang. Well, I know you're fairly up to date on some things because you told you asked me about the uh, BFG getting out of the video cars. Yeah. Yeah, that was big news just this last week. Yeah. yeah. Not sad to see them go. Not that big, huh, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping my mouth shut. Yeah. I'm getting in the middle of it. We, yeah, we heard rumors many, 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 many months ago. So, well, the writing was kind of on the wall. Yeah. You could, yeah. They sort of were. I don't know. They were big for a while, and then it just was kind of obvious that they couldn't. I don't know. They just didn't seem to be keeping up with the EVGAs of the world. Yeah, I think so. Was, some of the first cards was, I bought, big big performance cards were, were BFG cards many, many moons ago. Was BFG uh, NVIDIA exclusive? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> yeah, it makes yeah, you kind of... 
I think Go they kind of ran into some some walls with their their marketing end of it and stuff. That's that's you know, you got so many people out there playing in the oven, playing in the pond. There, you know, it's it's just crazy. Playing in the oven. Yeah, I, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Where'd you whip that one out of? <laughs> Are you yeah. fattening up kids, getting ready to pop them in the oven here in just a second? <laughs> yeah, and, and thinking about you know the story from back in the day. But, uh, I don't know. You, you sit there and look at it. You know, one comment that I'd seen. Oh, um, recently there was a lot of companies that actually pulled out of the U.S. market and were unable to sell in the U.S. market anymore. Um, not. It's been a few months. Polite back. Did. Yeah, Polite pulled out. Yeah, Palette pulled out. And then they're back, though. They are? Yes. Um, they're making cards. Well, I knew they were uh, making cards. I figured they were distributing over in Europe. I didn't think they were send, I didn't think they were selling them here in the States. I thought there was some sort of a, an issue with their distributorship rights and NVIDIA not liking the fact they were selling over here in the States or something like that. Well, I, I don't think it's that they weren't liking it. I think NVIDIA is only allowing so many, so many to be there. Right. In, in that you know in that specific market and like with with BFG dropping out all right that's a spot open we're gonna see somebody else come right back in uh, I'm not gonna drop any hints or anything but <laughs> well you walk there. into a, a Best Buy and you see Galaxy cards Galaxy is owned by Pallet yeah oh okay yeah. exactly you brought it up I didn't Galaxy <laughs> <laughs> so just recently came back in to the uh, stateside um, yeah I've I've seen a lot of Galaxy ads. Lately, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a fun game to sit back and watch and catch a few, you know, key phrases here and there from certain people and see how things work. It's it's kind of weird at times. I don't know. I definitely don't want to be in the middle of all of it. I can tell you that much. No, no, man, that graphics card market is just cutthroat. Yeah, I mean, I like yeah. competition and all, but man, that's just oof. I don't want to be stuck there. Did did EVGA branch out, or are they still strictly Nvidia? They're strictly Nvidia. Strictly NVIDIA. They're NVIDIA's favorites, basically. So they aren't going anywhere. NVIDIA's good to them. They're good to NVIDIA. So it works well for them. It didn't work so well for XFX. I'll say here lately, right. the, all I've seen on the XFX side of it is ATI cards. Mm-hmm. Right. Not, well, much on the NVIDIA front. Well, uh, I might be speaking out of innuendo and hearsay, but from what I understand in order to get the purchases of the 470s and the 480 Fermis, you're having to purchase a whole lot of other older cards in quantity in order to get these 470s and 480s. And that purchasing, that rumor, you know, it's, it's something I read online. Uh, if that was the case, I could, well, see, I... I could see, you know, XFX saying, no, I'm not going to purchase a whole bunch of other cards that I'm going to have a hard time selling just so I can get a couple of the 470s and 480s. And so they said, okay, fine, you take that purchasing requirement and we're going to go start selling ATI cards now. Well, um, well along that note, you know, you remember back when the, uh, I forget what series it was, but back when it, BFG and, and XFX was starting to push motherboards. Mm-hmm. That was right around a a uh, card change, and it kind of falls into the same play. They had to, uh, to push a few Nvidia-based products as well, besides yeah. what they were trying to purchase. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I mean, I see. Well, pretty much hell, all of the Nvidia reference boards back then, like the uh, I can't remember what one I got now. The XFX. 
but they were all almost identical with just different stickers and different label. Oh yeah, yeah. And that right about that time is when they went through. I forget what card it was, but they just made a change to cards. And I think that fell into the same category as what you're talking about. Kind of makes sense. Like I said, it's a tough industry to be in, uh, especially uh, as a as a distributor of the technology. You know, when you're not when you're not the manufacturer, you're the distributor, and that's uh, I, I can't imagine the pressure those guys are under. Oh, yeah, man. when the only the only difference between your card and the next guy's card is a sticker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is yeah. what's going on with the 480s right now. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's where where EVGA comes out ahead of everybody because they definitely put a little more work into it. Right. Right. And you got to have a lot of resources to be able to create overclocking software, and you know they do all their own uh, customer service locally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love EVGA's customer service. I had. <laughs> This may not sound the best for EVGA, but I had a capacitor blow on my uh, uh, 7600 GT, mm-hmm. and I called them up, and it was an old card, and I hadn't registered it on the website, and they're like, yeah, send it to us, and we'll replace it for you. So Yeah. Wow. I've That's, done that with them before, awesome. too, where, they've had a, where I've had an issue with one of their products and contacted them, and they're just like, hey. All right, and if they don't have it in stock, I usually end up getting an upgrade. Yep, I got an upgrade. I got an 8600 GT, so it was yeah. I mean, it's cards. good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Andrew, I see that uh, in this this month's issue, you looked at the uh, AMD X6. That's right. Yeah, so we did back to back six core processors. I just finished the Intel, and then I get to try the AMD. Yeah, how did that work out? Um. I liked it. Uh, I also especially liked, actually, I think six cores to me is a little less compelling than, um, you know, the little turbo core. I'm going to screw up their silly names for the same thing. (laughs) 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 The technology that basically overclocks the Mm -hmm. first three cores of the processor when the last three are being underutilized, which is going to be a vast majority of the time because... Mm -hmm. As we all know, software is just does not scale well beyond three cores. Right. And in most cases, doesn't scale well beyond two cores. Yep. So, yeah, I think it's compelling for that technology, and also because it's cheap as heck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, under 300 bucks or something? Yeah. 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 So, it's good stuff. I suggest people go to cpucomputerpoweruser.com and read the article. Um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, from a... a performance per watt standpoint, AMD is really not competing. Uh, but when you turn it around and look at the price for performance, they they can compete, and in several cases, they can win. They come out ahead of Intel. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's it's a good time to buy processors. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because right now, I think most of us probably run in the Intel processors. So no, not no. yet. Oh, I thought, oh, yeah, you're still building that you're one. You're doing it. You're going to, so quit. I'm moving. Yeah, come, to the, I'll come to the dark side with the rest of us. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm an AMD boy. All my rigs here at the house have been AMDs. Oh, you remember my rant last, last week, don't you, Andrew? <laughs> yes, I do. You're just sucking up. You're just trying to get some people. You got two Intels. Wait, who are you kidding? Uh, I've got Intel. I don't have any of them running in production right now. You walk into my house and you look at all my machines that are currently turned on and in use. And what's going to happen, what, happen, Dwayne, when he fires up those two Intels? 
I'm He's probably going like, to oh cry. Oh, my God. I'm probably going to cry. What have I been missing? Well, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I'm Yep, and like. the next morning, out in front of Craig's house, he's going to have all his AMD machines sitting out there with a sign that says so. free. Nope, nope, nope. says free. Not happening. Free. Not happening. No. I, I can't bag, bag on you a whole lot there. I still have an AMD rig running, too. Yeah. This no, is for I'm the not, kit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting rid of my AMDs, but yes, there will be some Intel making its way into the house. Will work for Core i7. <laughs> there you go. But Andrew's uh, definitely correct for the for the the price comparison. AMD definitely does have some nice price processors that, that put out a pretty good punch. Yeah, that is yes. hard. That is hard to beat. Uh, let's move towards uh, uh, some questions in regards to personal software and things that uh, that people have used around around the house. Um, antivirus, firewall. Security suites, uh, software-based KVMs. I mean, all, all sorts. Of, I mean, there's all sorts of different types of productivity-enhancing software and security-enhancing software. What do you guys use? What have you learned uh, about applications that you like, and you know why do you like them? Because they're free and they work good. Ah, free is a big swear for you. Yeah. Why wouldn't? Why free wouldn't it be? is good. Yeah, free well, is my best friend. I'm, <laughs> and I and I mean legally free. Well, and, and, but what about what about what about free with adware? I can deal with that as long as it's not um, too overbearing. Yeah, I, as I like long you. as it's done tastefully, I, I don't mind it. Yeah. Okay. But you don't have to click it takes through me like, like half a second. Yeah. It only takes me like half a second to click out of it. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what are some of y'all's favorite programs out there that you use? Uh, AVG for for antivirus for me. I've been using that probably for the last. Five six years or more. Yeah. I'll agree with that. And I've had no issues with that. I I've, I can't remember the last time I've gotten a virus or everything. I'm I'm all over the internet. Yeah, I've used several of them. I I started off, of course, buying Norton and paying every year. <laughs> that Oof. was yeah. But anyway, then I went to AVG. I used them for several years, and recently I, I switched over to Komodo. Security suite thing, um, the free version. It's it's really good. It really is. I guess it's like cars. I wanted to trade. I wanted to go to something else. So I started using uh, Avira antivirus and Zone Alarm for my firewall. I really like those two. Are those free? Yep, very free. I was using Zone Alarm when I was using AVG. Apparently and, there's uh, free and then there's very free. Oh. There's some sort of differentiation. Oh, yeah. There is. There is. There is. Well, I guess there's, there. Well, there is. There's torrent free, and then there's free free. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's kind of it's, it's, that, it's that joke. You know, if you say a word twice back to back, it means something different. Well, I like him, but I didn't like him like him. You know, uh, it was yeah, free, yeah, but it yeah. wasn't free free. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm also on the AVG bandwagon on a couple of rigs, and then I I also run McAfee on a few of my rigs as well. Yeah, I'm sure CPU Magazine's probably done an article about this stuff. You can probably go on their website and maybe do a search on that, find out what they've done. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, we've done that a little bit once or twice. Yeah, because actually one of the, one of the points that I do usually read, because like I said last time, I do start from the back <laughs> and, and go forward. And then um, there's always the software part in there. And I, and I, and I love that because I find a lot of the... Uh, free ones or guys that you recommend to use, and uh, I always yeah, we to, actually to hit those. We, I mean, you know, the the focus um, really is 
you know, more on hardware, and that's that's always kind of been our calling card. Um, but but you know, obviously, software is a pretty important part of the of the equation as well. And so yeah, I mean, we we do in addition to monthly uh, roundups and standalone reviews, we have a every year we have a big our big utility guide, and that's been pretty. Uh, we've had a pretty good response from that too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's the bleeding edge of software. I always hit that. I always make sure I read that. My name is Vic, and I'm a software junkie. <laughs> Hi, Vic. Hi, Vic. Hi, Vic. <laughs> oh, going from that, uh, kind of like out of necessity a little bit, I, I did a search because I was setting up a test bench and didn't want to have to have two sets of keyboards and mice and all that other junk going along with it. And I came across a product called Input Director. And it is a software-based KVM. So you can, what you can do is, like my setup, is I have two monitors. I have my main monitor in front of me and then my, my spare monitor to, look to the right. And then to the right of that is my main PC, and then to the right of that is my, my test bench. But I'm able to fire up my test bench and using the second input on my spare monitor as the desktop for that. And then using just my single keyboard and mouse to completely control that. How does it, I mean, does it work over networking? Absolutely. Yeah. It's over, over networking. And it's, and probably people out there going, well, that sounds like B and C. It is kind of like that, but that's what I was expecting it to be. But to tell you the truth, uh-huh. it's much more responsive. And it, and it, yeah. and it feels like you're actually right on that machine because basically you are. Because all I have to do is I can move my mouse from the left side of my screen over all the way to right. And when I go onto my, my desktop on my, uh, my, my uh, test bench, you get this little like uh, pond effect where I can throw a stone in and you get the little ripples to show you where mm-hmm. your mouse is at, and then off you go. And you can copy and paste from each one of the machines, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. If it's something that you don't want to have to drag your mouse side to side or anything, you can also set up keyboard shortcuts to swap between the two. Yep. You can set up multiple desktops, multiple PCs. Um, you do have to have uh, a video connection to the machine, though. Okay. Uh, that That is... Kind of one of the only drawbacks, and that's why a lot of people use the other, you know, over network remote uh, assists programs. But uh, I, I find this to be very useful. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the, the same boat with Dwayne, but I use one monitor for both rigs, and and it's it's perfect. You know, it, it's definitely. At times, I found that I do get a little lag in my mouse, but nothing like I used to see with VNC. No, but uh, you have to check it out. I mean, it's inputdirector.com, and it's I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. And it looks very simple, but you know what? It's really simple to use. Uh, you get on their website, and you just go through the setup. And once you've done it once, you can do it multiple times. Cool. I'll check that out. InputDirector.com. Yep. Folks, uh, I, I, I think we've I think we beat this horse into the ground tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long ride. We, we have covered a lot of material tonight. I mean, we have uh, got some... Excellent input inside the inner workings of CPU. Can't thank you guys enough, Chris, Andrew. You guys staying up late and 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 hanging out with us on the on the podcast. That's a much much appreciated, and we really appreciate you guys coming out. I uh, hope you guys will join back with us. Feel free to join back in at any point in time. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, we'd really and it doesn't have to be anything that you have to, to come in prepared for. You can come in and just hang out. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got nothing else better to do. Come in and make fun of the redneck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andrew, you might have some free time if Chris is going to be doing some of your reviews for you. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> a clear a clear block of time to make fun of the redneck. There you go. Awesome. Hey. <laughs> oh, okay. Glad to well, know I'm appreciated. Absolutely, Vic. You are appreciated. Very much appreciated. And everybody out there listening to the podcast, uh, we appreciate every single one of you. We thank you very much for listening to the uh, Modders, Inc. podcast. Look us up on Facebook, keyword Modders, Inc. That's all one word, M-O-D-D-E-R-S-I-N-C. Uh, we have a YouTube channel that is Modders, Inc. It's the same thing, all one word, M-O-D-D-E-R-S-I-N-C. Twitter, Modders, Inc. One more time. Hey, if you got any questions, uh, feel free to email us at podcast. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at modders-inc.com. So that's modders-inc.com. Please feel free to check out modders-inc.com, modders-inc.com for all the latest on modding, hardware, and more. And folks, with that, I'd like for Victor to please take us out of here. Modding, ain't it cool? (laughs) 